righty. Well, we'll go ahead and get into our uh, lesson for tonight. And uh, then after our lesson, we'll close with a season of prayer. If you think of a prayer request that you wanted to share um, during the lesson, just jot it down and we'll give you opportunity to do that before we close this evening. Back in the book of Genesis, actually the life of Joseph uh, covers uh, Genesis 37. Genesis 37 through 50. Uh, so, of course, we won't, won't be able to look at every aspect of Joseph's life, um, but that is the part of the book that covers the life of Joseph. And so we're going to take a little bit of time this evening and just look at an overview of the life of Joseph and um, just look at some things about him. And then whenever we come back, now next Wednesday, of course, I'll be gone. Brother Randy will be teaching next Wednesday. If you've never heard Brother Randy teach, I encourage you to be here. Brother Randy does an excellent job. Be here uh, Wednesday night. Brother Randy will be teaching for us. Um, but then whenever I come back, uh, we'll be going, Lord willing, uh, I've been looking into it, and Lord willing, we'll be going a completely different direction. I'll still be sitting here at the table teaching, not changing the way we do the service, but going a completely different direction uh, with our Bible study. And so I'm, I'm excited about it and looking forward to it. So uh, y'all be sure to be here and be a part of that uh, once we go the next direction. I'll be honest with you, the outline that I have this evening, most always, it says Brother Danny says he uh, milks a lot of cows, but he churns his own butter. And uh, a lot of times when I'm preparing sermons, you know, I'll read from a lot of different commentators on their view of a passage of Scripture. Then I'll read the passage of Scripture. Then I'll put together my own butter. I'll put together my own outline, and uh, that's what I'll teach from. But I'll just be honest with you tonight, this outline isn't mine. Uh, this outline, pretty much I tweaked it just just a little bit in a couple places, but pretty much comes out of Wilmington's Guide to the Bible. And so he had just done such a good job putting the outline together, I didn't see any need to rewrite it. And so I said, we'll just use Brother Wilmington's uh, guide here. And I do want to just put in a plug right here. If you are a student of the Word of God and you want a good one-volume book that just gives you a good look at the Word of God, I highly recommend uh, Brother Wilmington's Guide to the Bible. Now, this is the older uh, Wilmington's Guide. If you order one now, it'll say 30th Anniversary Edition. It's laid out a little differently uh, than this one, but it's the same content. Uh, it's about $40 to buy this book off Amazon. That's new or used. That's about what they get for it. It's about $40 for this book. And I'm telling you what, Brother Wilmington just does a phenomenal job. If you just want one volume to assist you in your Bible study, this is a tremendous book. And also, this is the main textbook that we use in Faith Bible Institute. And so if you sign up for classes at Faith Bible Institute, you will get one of these free in a with your tuition. You know, you pay your tuition and you get the book free. I love those kind of advertisements, you know. Just pay $9 and get this free, you know. That's how this works. You pay your tuition, you get this book free. It uh, goes along with your FBI, but... Uh, Anyway, I'm the oddball in the classes because I had purchased this book long before we started FBI, years before we started FBI, and uh, pretty much all the other students have the new 30th anniversary edition, and I'm the oddball with the yellow book. So, uh, But anyway, I do recommend this book if you're looking for a good book to study. But the outline tonight did come from Brother Wilmington, and so you'll, you'll get a little taste of the type of outlines he can put together. In Genesis chapter number 30, I know I said the life of Joseph is Genesis 37 to 50, but in Genesis 30 is where we read of Joseph's birth. So turn back to Genesis 30 and verse number 22. 
Genesis 30 and verse number 22. Now you remember uh, last week we looked at how that uh, Jacob had uh, four wives total after a while. He had Rachel, Leah, uh, and both of their maids, Bilhah and Zilpah. Uh, and of course, uh, during all this, Leah was bearing children, Bilhah was bearing children, Zilpah was bearing children, but Rachel was barren. And we see here in verse number 22 of Genesis chapter number 30, and God remembered Rachel. And God hearkened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bare a son and said, God hath taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. Joseph was born the first child of Rachel, the eleventh son of Jacob. And here in Genesis chapter number 30, we have record of Joseph being born to Jacob and Rachel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll just dive into the lesson. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have to come together and look into your word. Father, I thank you for these folks that are faithful. Lord, to come to your house. Lord, every Wednesday night, Lord, they come. They're in their place. They're faithful to, uh, to learn, to study. Lord, they're faithful to lift up their voices together in prayer and encourage one another and pray for one another. And Father, I thank you for them. I pray that you bless us now this evening, Lord, as we look into your word. I pray to Lord as we look at this overview of Joseph that Father, uh, Lord, we will be reminded, uh, Lord, of his faithfulness and Lord, the testimony that he had and we'll be challenged, uh, Lord, that we might live a life as Joseph lived. I pray for the services downstairs, be it Pastor Kent as he's teaching, be it the children's program. I pray to Lord that you will be with each thing that's being done. And Lord, I pray that you will use the CG3 program, Lord, as a way that we might plant the seed in the hearts of these young people. And Lord, we might disciple them and see them grow up to be young people that want to love and serve you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Bless us now this evening, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here we see in Genesis chapter number 30 uh, that Joseph uh, is born to Jacob and Rachel. Now it's interesting to note that Jacob is still employed uh, by Laban at this time. Uh, Jacob has worked uh, approximately 14 years for Laban. He worked seven years uh, uh, for Rachel. Then he worked an additional seven years because of Leah. Uh, and then we see that uh, Joseph is born. And after Joseph is born, Jacob says to Laban, he says, uh, it's time for me to pack up my bags and it's time for me to get out of here. Laban makes another bargain with him concerning the livestock. And so Jacob stays for six more years after Joseph is born. But we really don't hear anything else about Joseph after his birth other than he is mentioned a couple of times uh, just by way of name, Rachel and Joseph. But it really tells us nothing about Joseph. We hear nothing else about Joseph's life uh, until Genesis chapter number 37, which is where I uh, said so we would start this evening. And there in Genesis chapter number 37, we encounter Joseph again. And when we come to Genesis chapter number 37, we find in verse number 2, it says, These are the generations of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old. So we really don't know anything else about Joseph from his birth uh, until chapter 37 where we see Joseph at 17 years old. But from chapter 37 through the end of the book of Genesis, uh, we have a pretty steady account uh, of uh, the life of Joseph. And so there's several things that we want to look at this evening uh, concerning Joseph. The first thing that we see here in chapter 37, though, is that Joseph is uh, the favored son. He is the favored son of Jacob. Rachel was the favored wife of Jacob. And so when 
when Rachel bore a son, uh, Joseph became the favored son. This was the son uh, that Jacob loved uh, because uh, he was Rachel's son. And so we see that uh, being a favorite has both its benefits uh, and its drawbacks. We know that as the favored son, and as we'll see as we look here, his father made him a coat of many colors. That's when I chose my background for the uh, for the uh, presentation tonight. I tried to find one that was colorful because Joseph, we think of the coat of many colors. And, uh, and so he got the coat of many colors. He received favor from his dad. So that's the positive being the favorite. But there was some negatives, and the negatives are that his brother's hated him because he was favored. There's definitely a lesson here that we can learn from this of the dangers of favoritism, but that's not our message tonight. But we'll move on. As we look at the favored son, there's three things we see as we consider uh, Joseph. First of all, we see the dreams of Joseph, the dreams of Joseph. And this is in verse 1 down through verse number 11. And we'll read a few of these verses. There's no way that we can read everything tonight, uh, but we'll read a few of these verses just to kind of set the tone for the rest of the lesson. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wife. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheep. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and said to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? It says, And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. We see here the dreams of Joseph. Now, I understand that these dreams were sent by God to Joseph. I understand that these were prophetic dreams. Uh, and I understand that it is important uh, that these dreams be recorded in the Word of God. So I'm not taken away from any of that with the statement I'm about to make. But whenever I read this story, I wonder about Joseph. You know, when somebody already hates you, they, some things you just keep to yourself, you know? I mean, uh, these guys already dislike him. They already hate him. Uh, uh, they already feel that his, their father is unfair. And Joseph says, hey, I dreamed a dream last night. Now, what'd you dream? I dreamed that you were going to bow down to me and I was going to rule over you. I mean, this just isn't playing your cards right. But we see that God was working. God was setting the stage. God knew what was coming and he was setting the stage. And so we see uh, that Joseph, as soon as we are introduced to Joseph uh, as far as who he is, we find out that he is a man that is connected to God. Now let me just say this. You do not get revelation from God if you're not a follower of God. 
So the fact that Joseph is getting these dreams gives us a look into the life of Joseph even as a young man and we realize that Joseph was a young man who was seeking after God even in his youth. He was seeking after God to the point that God was able to reveal things to him. This gives us another very valid point that I think in our day is often missed and that is that God can use young people and he can use them mightily. You know what? It used to be a time, of course, if you just wanted to look at the Jews, for instance, they figured that a, a boy became a man at 13, and he was given responsibilities of a man. You look back in our culture, and you look back 100 years in our culture, and you find young men, uh, uh, early young teenagers, who was able to work and do the work of a man, who were responsible and could carry responsibility. And you look at our day, and it seems that we try to keep people kids way longer than we ought to. And we say, well, they just can't handle the responsibility. Well, if you don't forget, in Joseph's day, uh, a lot of times people didn't marry until they were much older because the lifespan was different. So a 17-year-old fella by the way that they lived, would have probably been more accustomed to a 12-year-old guy in our day, uh, just by the, according to how long they lived. And yet here is Joseph already in a good enough relationship with God that God is giving him revelations through dreams. We need to be careful not to squash the young people when God is working in the hearts of the young people. If you read about revivals in our day, you will find that many times revivals came through the prayers of the youth who were seeking God to move in their day. So we see the favored son. We see the dreams of Joseph. But then we also see the deceit of his brothers. And you know the story. Starting in verse 12 down through verse number 33, of course Joseph told them the dreams. They became angry. Uh, they threw him in a pit, planning to kill him. And they said, no, 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 don't kill him. Uh, let's, let's sell him. And so they sold him as a slave. And then they took his coat of many colors, the only coat like it. There was no mistaking that this belonged to Joseph. They dipped it in the blood of a lamb and they took it home and they lied to their father. Now we'll look at this a little bit more in a minute. But Joseph didn't see his father for 22 years after this moment. These boys lied to Jacob. Jacob said, surely a beast hath slain him. And their father grieved mourned such that they, they felt he may even die. And yet them boys never told their dad the truth. For 22 years, they watched their dad grieve and mourn over a lie that they had told, but they would not go back on their lie. I'm telling you what, that's some deep deceit. Not only do we see the deceit of his brothers, but then in verse 34 and 35, the end of the chapter there, chapter 37, we see the grief or the despair of their father. It says, And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loin and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Can you see the hypocrisy in this verse? I'm telling you, there's so many messages we could preach here. It said his sons, all his sons, rose up to comfort him. The reason he's grieving is because of their lie, and yet they're adding to their lie 
by trying to comfort him. But we see the dreams of Joseph, the deceit of his brothers, the despair of his father. The next thing that we see concerning Joseph, not only was he the favored son, but once he arrives in Egypt, Potiphar buys him, and we find that Joseph became known as a faithful steward. He became known as a faithful steward. In verse 1 through 6 of chapter 39, we see his service. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. We see here uh, his service, Joseph's service. He was a faithful steward. Uh, Joseph was a slave. Uh, He was bought by Potiphar. He was not getting compensation for his work. Uh, He was just a slave, and yet uh, he was diligent. He gave it his all, like we was talking about Sunday. Uh, I mean, he just applied himself to the work, uh, and because he did, uh, he reaped the benefit. He was a faithful steward. Uh, He gave good service uh, to those that were over him, whether he liked them being over him, whether he liked how he found himself in this situation, that didn't matter. What did matter was not the other people, but it was Joseph. And Joseph said, I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to work my hardest. And God not only blessed Joseph for his diligence, but God blessed Potiphar for Joseph's diligence. And in doing so, uh, although Joseph wasn't compensated, uh, Joseph had right to everything in the house. Uh, Joseph was not one of the servants that had to stay in the mud hut out back. No, Joseph had the nice bedroom. He ate off the good table. He had the fine food. Uh, He was treated just like one of the main people in the house. Matter of fact, he's the one that sent in the grocery order. Joseph was over everything, and his diligence paid all. This is a life principle that we can apply anywhere in life and that is this, that diligence will always pay off. Always beneficial to be diligent. So we see he was faithful in his service. Not only do we see his service, but in verse 7 through 12 we see his self-control. We see that Joseph uh, was was a fine young man, a good young man, and in verse number 7 the Bible says, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph And she said, lie with me. We see that Potiphar's wife began to make advances on Joseph. Joseph is in a foreign country. Joseph has no one that he is accountable to. Joseph is living completely on his own. As far as he knows, His brothers sold him into slavery and he will never return home. He will never see his family again. All of that is over. And you say, well, but yes, but what about Potiphar? Well, you see, the thing is the Bible tells us that it wasn't Potiphar that he was worried about. But he told Potiphar's wife, I cannot do this thing and sin against God. Joseph said, I may not be anybody here that I'm accountable to, but I'm accountable to God. Therefore, I cannot 
do this thing. He practiced great self-control. You know what? As long as we are looking to other people for accountability, there are ways to get around people. Whenever we look to God for accountability, we will find that He offers great self-control because there's never a way to get around the all-seeing eye of God. So we see Joseph's self-control. Next of all, when we look at Joseph, we see his suffering. Joseph practiced self-control. He denied the advances of Potiphar's wife. Uh, Potiphar's wife became angry that Joseph wouldn't yield to her wishes and so she accused him of trying to force her. Falsely accused, but again, he's a foreigner in a foreign land. Nobody's going to stand up for him. Joseph finds himself uh, in prison. Look in verse number uh, 13. Oh, let's see here. Yeah, let's, let's look at verse number 13. It says, And it came to pass, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, she had taken hold of his garment, he fled, left her garment in her hand, and he was fled forth. As she called unto the men of the house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. But now if you thought being a slave was a bad place to be diligent, look at what Joseph did when he was put in prison. Even farther down the, down the ranking it says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. The same diligence that Joseph applied in Potiphar's house, Joseph applied in the prison. He said, I'm going to still continue to be the person I ought to be. I'm here wrongfully. I was sold into slavery wrongfully. I'm here because I was accused wrongfully. But yet I'm not going to worry about others. I'm going to worry about being who God has called me to be. I will be diligent. And the Lord blessed him. And he was over the whole prison. I mean, it's not often that you meet a prisoner that carries the keys. But this is Joseph. Here he is. Uh, he's the prisoner carrying the keys. The keeper doesn't even check on anything. Joseph's got it all. His faithful service paid off uh, again and again. But not only do we see the faithfulness of Joseph, but in chapter number 40, we see Joseph the forgotten servant. Joseph the forgotten servant. In verse 1 through 8, we see his discernment. We know the story. Joseph is there in prison. The butler and the baker are also put in prison. And Joseph goes in one morning and he sees them and he can tell that they're troubled. Boy, I'm telling you what, it would do us good to learn to pay attention to people around us, you know. Joseph went in and here's some other prisoners and he said, why you fellas sad? What's, what's the matter? And come to find out, they had dreamed dreams. Well, we know from 
when Joseph was 17 years old that he was a guy that had dreams and uh, so Joseph was interested in their dreams and he said, share your dreams with me. They said, we can't find anyone to interpret them. He said, interpretations belong to God. Don't you love Joseph's confidence in God and who God is? Interpretations belong to God. Share your dream. They shared their dreams. We see as they shared their dreams that Joseph made a declaration. Look in verse number 9. The Bible says the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches, as it were, as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. These three branches are three days, yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. But think on me, when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into this dungeon. Here we see a little glimpse inside of Joseph. You know oftentimes when we're reading the word of God and we come across these heroes of the faith, we kind of get the idea that they were, they, they were not subject to the same feelings and emotions that we're subject to. But here in these verses we see a little glimpse. Joseph said, hey, I'm doing my best to serve the Lord. I'm being faithful. I'm being diligent. But I really shouldn't be here. I have been wrong. So when you get out, can you say something to Pharaoh for me? Because although I appear like I'm in charge here in the prison, I'm really a prisoner and I would really like to get out of here. Could you please speak to Pharaoh? So he asked this request. And then, of course, the baker heard that the butler was going to get restored. And so he's like, hey, here's my dream. He shares his dream. Joseph says, I don't have as good a news for you, but you're going to have your head taken off of you. I mean, talk about three miserable days that that baker lived, waiting and see what was going to happen. But Joseph said the interpretation belongs to God. It's what God says. So we see his discernment. We see his declaration. But in verse number 23, we see his disappointment. Joseph had made an honest request. But in verse number 23, it says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Here we see Joseph's disappointment. Can you imagine the three days go by, the butler and the baker leave. Word gets back to the prison that the baker lost his head and the butler's working for Pharaoh again. A week goes by and two weeks and a month, a couple months. Joseph's probably still hoping three months. Joseph begins to realize, I've been forgotten. I was sold wrongfully. I was accused wrongfully, and now I've just been left here to die. Can you imagine the disappointment that came into Joseph's life? But it didn't take long before the Lord made a move in Joseph's life. If you look in chapter 41, it says, And it came to pass at the end of two full years. Now, I don't know, but I believe that perhaps that word full Two full years is put there to help us recognize how long Joseph waited after he had said, will you please remember me? Two full years go by and Pharaoh has a dream. And in chapter 41 through chapter 44, we see Joseph the famed 
statement, statesman, the famed statesman. In chapter 41, Pharaoh dreams a dream, and of course the dream that Pharaoh has is concerning the famine that is going to come. No one can interpret the dream, and while they're trying to figure out what this dream is about, the butler remembers Joseph, and he says, hey, what about Joseph? They go get Joseph out of prison, and Joseph comes in. In chapter 41, verse 1 through 36, we see the revelation made by Joseph concerning the dream of Pharaoh. And he tells Pharaoh, here's what your dream means. A famine's coming. There'll be, there'll be seven good years, but then there'll be seven lean years. And this is what the dream means. Whenever Pharaoh recognized uh, Joseph's wisdom, we see in verse 37 to 57 the elevation of Joseph. Here we have the slave that was sold wrongfully, the prisoner that was accused wrongfully, uh, the, the helpful uh, prison warden that was forgotten wrongfully, but but now God is elevating him from the very bottom to the very top. You know what we can take from this and recognize that we serve a God that can take anybody from the bottom and take them to the top. God is able to do that. So we see the elevation of Joseph. And then if we go over to the chapter 42 down through chapter 44, we see the frustration of Joseph's brothers. Joseph has now been elevated to the highest position. The famine has spread until it's affected uh, Joseph's brethren. They come to Egypt looking for grain. Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize him. And Joseph, for, three, for two chapters, Joseph, for lack of a better word, toys with his brothers. He sells them grain and puts their money back in their sack. They come back. He imprisons them and releases them. And, and Joseph is testing his brethren. He's trying to find out if their hearts have changed. But during all this, we see the frustration of his brethren. But then in chapters 45 through 48, we see Joseph, the forgiving saint. Joseph did test his brothers. He did try to... Uh, discern the intent of their heart. He did try to see if they had changed uh, after they had sold him into slavery. But in chapter 45, we see that Joseph reconciled with his brothers. Joseph revealed himself uh, and he reconciled with his brothers and he let them know, hey, I forgive you for what you did. I don't hold it against you. You're forgiven. Uh, in uh, chapter 46, verse 29 and 30, we see the reunion of Joseph uh, with his father. Joseph is reunited with his father. As I said a little bit ago, it's been 22 years since Joseph seen his father. Joseph was 17 when he left. Joseph is 39 years old now and he gets reunited